It's Money Talking from WNYC. I'm Charlie Herman. If you're interested in Uber, say you're a regular user or maybe a driver, or just someone who's unhappy about all the extra traffic in New York thanks to the ride-hailing app, well, soon you can add another group of people who will be very interested in the company, shareholders. That's because the company, potentially valued at $100 billion, has started the process to become a publicly traded company and issue stock. And as a part of that, we are learning a lot more about how it operates. That ridership rose last year, that Uber is expanding its food delivery service, and that the company is losing huge sums of money. Well, joining me are two reporters who have scoured through the paperwork, Aaron Elstein, senior reporter for Cranes, and Maureen Farrell, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. And Maureen, there's so much to pull out of this regulatory filing from Uber. What stood out to you? One of the things that jumped out probably the most is that growth is stalling. I mean, they've had this explosive growth But when we looked at the filing, it's not as fast as it was. And that's something that investors really look at. I mean, they want to see huge growth. We think of Uber as a ride-hailing business. It sounds like what Uber is going to want to tell investors is we're so much more than that. That we're becoming something else. Yes, we're going to be a platform. Like, think of us like Amazon. We have the potential to be this. We're not just ride-hailing, but we have Uber Eats. And that's growing very quickly. Aaron, what stood out to you? What struck out to me was how reliant this company is on um, five cities, basically, for a lot of its business. Uh, New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, London, and Sao Paulo. Those five places are a quarter of its business. So Uber is global. It's everywhere. But it's mostly in five places. And if business slows down in those places, this company will be really affected. Well, does that mean, though, that cities have a lot more leverage regulating the company, um, that they can negotiate better with Uber than perhaps they have in the past? Quite possibly. I mean, we didn't know before how reliant Uber was on these five places. And uh, now you know, the cat's out of the bag. Maureen, one of the questions that always comes up with tech companies like this, especially ones valued at so much money, is are they making money? Why is Uber not making money? Because it's invested so much in growing its market share, and it's been bumpy. I mean, that's one part, growing the amount of riders. It's also been in fierce competition with Lyft in the United States and globally with a few different ride-hailing companies. So that's been costly. Does that imply that Uber has kind of reached its peak in terms of growth when it comes to, at least in the United States, getting people to click on the app and call a car? I don't think so. And the company is definitely pitching itself as, no, it isn't, like... There's a time that people might get rid of their cars or get rid of two cars and go down to one. I think that's very much baked into the growth story there. You mentioned Uber Eats. Explain that a little bit more and the other areas where the company is looking to show we are more than just a ride-hailing app. Sure. Uber Eats was nothing a few years ago. Now it's this huge food delivery service that competes with Grubhub and Seamless, and it sort of works within their whole network. They're also trying to do the same thing with trucking, have a whole like freights division, which is small, but is something where they say they can have a lot of growth and maybe disrupt trucking. Aaron, uh, Maureen mentioned Lyft, and that company went public recently. So how is that going? And are there lessons in that offering of stock that Uber should watch out for? Well, Lyft's IPO hasn't gone great, to tell you the truth. They went public at $72 a share. It went up to the mid-80s, and now it's in the high 50s. But what that's telling you, I think, is that you know, Lyft loses a lot of money, too. And you know investors aren't going to put up with that forever. Both these companies are a long way from making money. And I don't know how they get there. Um, one way I think they would like to get there is by getting rid of their drivers. They spent a billion dollars last year on driverless car research. I I think we're a long way from cars without drivers, but Uber is very interested in that because if the revenue is slowing, like Maureen said, the thing they have to do is cut their costs. And how to do that? 
don't pay the drivers. That's a perfect segue. I was going to ask about the role of the drivers and where they kind of stand within the company. And are they going to benefit from this stock offering that the company is about to put out? I think they get a little something, but no, this is going to make Uber's venture capital investors rich and Uber's top executives will do just fine. But if you drive a car, I don't think this is going to change your life very much. Maureen, what does this mean for the drivers and what Aaron's talking about of trying to go to driverless cars? I agree with Aaron. I mean, they, they did put something in. They're going to give drivers either, if you're outside of the United States, cash. If you're inside of the United States, certain drivers will have the option to buy shares in the IPO. But that's sort of on the margins for these drivers. And the one thing a lot of people have said is that the costs have to be, like, rationalized. As we said, the losses are so deep. So are Lyft and Uber going to raise prices? Are they going to not give drivers as much? It's unclear, but there's a point in time where the market could really rebel investors against these big losses. And that's one way. Driverless cars clearly, too. Again, it's going to take a while, but they're investing a lot as Aaron said, about a billion dollars yeah, for the last few the, years. The good, the good news for Uber and Lyft is that they dominate this business. They're like Coke and Pepsi. So they have time here to figure this out. And um, I'm quite sure they're going to attack the rates that they pay drivers. I mean, that's a no-brainer. And um, I think that's going to cause a lot of sturm and drang, but that seems to me where this is going. What, if anything, can we see from Uber and its stock offering to talk about the larger economy and how things are, are doing there? I mean, I think the one thing we see is just how it's pretty unbelievable that these businesses weren't around 10 years ago, and this could be a $100 billion business. I think it does show how disruptive technology and these you know new businesses that are disintermediating old industries like the car industry, rental cars, taxis, maybe buying a car. I think the impact of that is just really kind of amazing. Even Lyft hasn't done that great so far as a public company, but it's still a 20 billion-ish dollar company. The fact that these came kind of out of nowhere is pretty incredible. It makes me feel that no matter what happens to Uber or Lyft as well, that it's kind of an inevitability that people want it. So whether they're making money or not, they're going to continue surviving. Oh, I don't doubt that these companies will be around for quite some time. I mean, Uber's got $11 billion in revenue right now. They're growing as fast as Google was when Google was a nine-year-old company. So, you know, Facebook and Twitter went public in, what, 2012? But we haven't really had very much since then. And now we've got a whole generation of, you know, unicorns, they're called, in the business. And a bunch of them are going to go public now. And you're going to see lots of, you know, excited people at the New York Stock Exchange ringing the bell. And it's been a very, very long time since we've seen anything like that. The difference from times past is the sheer size of these companies and how much cash they've raised in the private market. So these companies are big. I mean, Uber will be one of the biggest IPOs ever. Normally, you see these companies come out and then they grow in the public markets. It's been kind of the opposite. Also fascinating that most of them are still losing tons of money, even after such huge investments, even after being older, bigger businesses. Maureen Farrell is a reporter at The Wall Street Journal, and Aaron Elstein is a senior reporter for Cranes. Thank you both for joining. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I'm Charlie Herman. This is Money Talking from WNYC. 